Well, this morning during this, uh, one, oh, before we finish too, did you get your copy of Living Life magazine? Make sure you get one of those as you come in. They do a great job and this one just looks like a fabulous issue as well. So that'll give us some great stuff to read today. Uh, this morning, I, I want to just uh, share with us about the call that Jesus is making to us today to follow him. I can remember when I was just a boy, I was uh, seven years old and I was living in Baronia and I was having a bad day on this particular day. Um, everything seemed to be going wrong. I was getting blamed for what my brother uh, did, did wrong and uh, mum and dad had just singled me out and said I was the, I was the problem. And then my sister did something else and all of a sudden, because I was the problem before when I wasn't even the problem, I got in trouble again and I was, it just was not going well the day for me. And I remember about uh, halfway through the day, I just decided to, to run. I thought, this is it. I'm copying. I'm going to run away. And I ran all the way up to the back shed and uh, <laughs> I sat behind that back shed and I said, that's it. I'm not going back. And I just sat there. And it took a few hours before mum and dad sort of put their head out the back window and then out the front door I could hear them saying, Jonathan, Jonathan. No, I just thought, no, I'm staying here. I'm not giving in. And then they came out in the backyard and they said, Jonathan, Jonathan. But I was determined, determined seven-year-old, and I just sat there. And it started to get a little bit uh, later on in the day and... I started to smell uh, tea being cooked inside. <laughs> and they sort of came out again and they said, Jonathan, Jonathan. And it started getting uh, colder and I started to be getting hungrier and colder. But I was determined to stay there. Uh, things got dark and my stomach, I felt like I was going to die of starvation. <laughs> it wasn't really, but to a seven-year-old, it really felt like it. And I was freezing cold and I thought, I wonder how cold you have to get to die of frostbite. You know? <laughs> and eventually I said, right, that's it, I'm coming home. Uh, they had called long enough and I responded to them called. Mum and Dad never stopped calling me. They just kept calling for me to come home. And when I came home... It felt great to be having a great cooked meal in a warm, in a warm home. You know, the truth is God has been calling people uh, to come and to follow him for a long, long time. God's been calling people right from the very beginning of time to follow him. Just not getting anything there. Can we just see if that can move on to the next one? Sorry, Doug. Doug's a champion, isn't he? Look at him. <laughs> uh, God's been calling people to follow him right from the very beginning of time. Instead, in fact, God came to Abraham. Abram was his name at that time. And he came to him and he said to him in Genesis 12, leave your country, your relatives, your father's house and go to the land I will show you. I will make you a father of a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and I will make you a blessing to others. So God came to Abram and he said, I want to have a relationship with you 
And through you, I want to have relationship, not just with you, but with a whole nation of people. I want to call a group of people to myself that I will love and that I will lead and that I will make my people. He, 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 he came to him. He called him. In Exodus 3, uh, Moses was out in the wilderness and all of a sudden this bush starts burning and uh, Moses just couldn't believe what he was seeing before his eyes. And, and the Bible says that when the Lord had caught Moses' attention, God called to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. He wanted Moses to help him save his people in Egypt. God was calling Moses so that he could call other people in Egypt, uh, his people to himself. And you know, the truth is today, God's still calling people to follow him. God's still calling people to follow him. In fact, the Bible uh, says that this has always been God's plan. See what it says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5. It says, his unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. God is calling people to come follow him. God is calling people to become part of his family, to become part of his people. God's been looking for people. Have you heard his call? Have you responded to his call? Have you become aware that God's been trying to get your attention? And Jesus wanted to make it clear that God was calling people. When he was teaching while he was on earth, he, he taught about the fact that God is a God who's looking for people. He, he talked about this in Luke 15. He told a story about a shepherd who had 100 uh, sheep and one went missing. And so he left the 99 to go looking for just that one sheep. And do you know what? He never stopped looking. He looked high and low he looked everywhere to find that one sheep why because one lost sheep is important to that shepherd and Jesus was saying one person is important to God he goes looking he goes searching he goes calling calling and Jesus told another story about a, a woman who had these 10 coins and nine of them uh, were okay one was missing and she didn't stop. She swept the house. She put on lamps all around in every dark corner until she would find this coin. And then she found it. Why? Because one coin, one lost coin was important to, to God. Uh, one lost coin was important to the lady. And God was saying, one lost person is important to me. You know, when both of those people, the shepherd and the woman found the coin, they rejoiced wholeheartedly. Why? Because something that was lost was found. Something that they were searching for was found. And, and Jesus was saying, God is searching for people today. He's looking for people. He's calling people to come and to follow him. You know, sometimes his call is dramatic and obvious. You know, sometimes uh, God just puts things right in our path. So his call is undeniable. And it's just overwhelming sometimes. Do you know, uh, this happened to Paul when he was on the road to Damascus. 
He was going on this road to try and persecute Christians. And then all of a sudden, a bright light comes and blinds his eyes. And from the light, a voice says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The risen Jesus was coming to him and saying, stop what you're doing. And it was a conversion experience. Saul's life was turned around and he realised without doubt that God was calling him and it was undeniable. Undeniable. Sometimes it, it is so clear and dramatic like when the Philippian jailer was, it, it was looking after these two people, Paul and Silas, and instead of them being sad about being in prison and in chains, they were singing hymns at the top of their voice. They were crying out in the middle of the night, excited. And jailers thinking, boy, these guys are weird. I've never had a couple of singers like this. And then all of a sudden the earth shakes. There's an earthquake. And the, the doors, the prison, the prison bars are sort of opened. And the, the jailer is in fear because he knows that he could die for this if the prisoners have escaped. But these prisoners, Paul and Silas, are just sitting there, gates wide, doors wide open. And they haven't gone anywhere. And the Philippian jailer is shaking. God is calling me. He says, what must I do? What should I do? And it's said that he and his whole family heard the gospel that night. Paul and Silas preached to them. And the whole family believed, repented, and were baptised. What dramatic Conversion. Sometimes God comes to us and he so, so clearly speaks to us that his call is undeniable, is overwhelming, is so clear. The disciples, for example, when they were fishing, Jesus himself just walks up and says, come follow me. Come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. But sometimes it's not so obvious. Sometimes it's, it's uh, not so clear and so, um, so, so dramatic. Uh, sometimes it's just through a gradual realisation. Some people come to know that, wow, Jesus, I think God is calling me. Uh, what about the woman at the well who was just sitting down there and about her daily work, getting water, and then all of a sudden someone comes and talks to her. Then gradually as she starts to talk to this person, she starts to realise that this person that she's talking to could actually be the Messiah. And then as she realises that it's him that she's speaking, she runs off and tells the whole town. Uh, another time Lydia was down by the river and Paul came and he just talked with her and he shared with her. And as she started to listen and respond, she started to realise that God was calling her and she responded and was baptised right there. You know, there are some people that hear God's call and they uh, ignore it. They just keep putting their ears closed. They just keep busying their life up. But some people respond to God's call. What about you? Have you heard God's call? Because he's calling people to himself. Have you responded? Well, Tim and Melissa Archer, uh, throughout their life, have heard God's call and they've responded. And today they want to be baptised and uh, why don't you give them a warm welcome now 
as they come to share their testimonies. memories of attending Sunday school as a child, as I grew up in a Christian home. At 13, I completed confirmation classes at the Anglican church we were attending. It was at this time that I first had an understanding of what Jesus had done for me and what the Christian walk was all about. This was strengthened in my later teenage years when I started attending a youth group that was run by a very evangelical youth pastor and a great leadership team. My faith and relationship with Jesus grew and grew. During this time, my family moved from Tasmania to central New South Wales and I learnt a lot about myself as I chose to stay behind. At 21, Tim and I got married and shortly after moved to Albury. This was a huge change for me as I was only ever lived in Tassie. My relationship with Jesus took a huge hit as I tried to fit in here and it wasn't until I found Wodonga Baptist Church all those years ago that I felt at home once more. Since then, I've made some great friends, been involved in great ministries and very encouraging small groups. Right now I feel God calling me to make this public declaration of my faith and that is why I'm seeking baptism. I was brought up in a Christian family. My father's an Anglican minister and so it was always assumed that I would become a Christian. This environment was definitely a good thing but it was also hard at times because it wasn't always easy to ask questions about my faith. I was baptised as an infant and then confirmed as a teenager. Although at the time I would have said I was doing this from a genuine commitment to Christ, I now look back and think that it was more driven by a need for acceptance and because that was what was expected. When I made the decision to follow Christ, it was a difficult time as I really couldn't discuss this decision with my family. At about this time I started going to a youth group and it was only a few weeks later that I had my first experience with God looking after his children. I was very unhappy at home and had decided to run away. I had it all planned and I was packed and ready to go. And I decided to go to one last youth group. Well, they had a guest speaker and his topic, running away. <laughs> my faith really started growing at that point. And I came to be known around school for the Bible that was always in my top pocket. God has continued working in my life, even when I haven't been close to him. For a long time, I had lots of head knowledge, but I wasn't living and applying it. I'm now trying to live the life that Christ wants me to, and that is why I'm reaffirming the commitment that was made on my behalf at my infant baptism and that I made for myself at confirmation in this public affirmation of my faith. And uh, we apologise that they're not in the news sheet again for the second time. But if you uh, put next to your news sheet, just to adjust, Tim and Melissa Archer being baptised this morning. Uh, pizza night is for us Tuesday nights. And uh, if you live in Wodonga, you can know that there's a couple of places where you can get pizza for just $5. That's good, isn't it? A large pizza I'm talking about for $5. So for us, uh, Tuesday night, pizza night for us, and I'm sent down to the pizza shop and there's just a little sort of ritual that happens all the time for us is that I just, they say, what's your name? And I always am not ready for it. So I say, Jonathan, and they go, uh, and I say, John's fine, John's fine. And they just write John and then I wait. And it's about 15, 20 minutes at the pizza shop we go to. 
and uh, I just start to smell all those beautiful pizzas. And uh, every now and again, they'll come up with a pizza and walk towards the counter. And in my head, I'll just be going, Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan. And then they say, Trevor or Tony. And I'll think, oh, come on, please, please. And by the time about 20 minutes have gone and I'm so hungry and ready for my pizza, when they do call out Jonathan, uh, everything within me just responds to that call. <laughs> I just say, go for it. You know? and, and while I've been there, I've just got to share with you that I've never, ever noticed someone's name being called and them just saying, I'm not going to respond. And it just hasn't happened. Uh, usually people just come right up and grab it straight away. You know, and if I'm you know, really a bit concerned, I'll run outside and just say, you know, is anyone here, Jeffrey? You know, making sure that no one misses the call for their pizza. You know, when, when God calls you, when you sense him calling you, I just want to encourage you that it's great to respond. You need to respond. This is what happened um, in Acts on that day of Pentecost um, when, when the Holy Spirit had come and was poured out upon those who trusted in Christ. And people were so uh, wondering what was going on that Peter got up and gave this incredible explanation of the Christian faith. He started preaching and he was preaching and God's spirit was powerful. And he told them about the gospel. And verse 37 of Acts chapter 2 says, Peter's words convicted them deeply. And they said to him and to the other disciples, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must turn from your sins and turn to God and be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, when, when God calls you, respond. Respond and respond wholeheartedly. Um, some people today, strangely enough, hear God's voice but don't respond. You know, they just too busy now. Or two things really stop people from responding, and one is fear. You know, fear is, is what will life be like if I let go of life and make God, make Jesus Lord of my life? I lose control of my own life, and that would be terrible. And so fear stops people from responding to God's call. The other thing is just plain old pride. You know, what would people think of me or... Uh, you know, I, I'm, I don't need someone like that as Lord of my life. I'm, I'm have, I want to be in control of my own life. But then there are those who do respond like these people here. And they, they did three things. I think God wants us to do three things when we hear the call. Uh, they respond to the call by, first of all, believing. They believed they believed that Jesus was who he said he was. They believed that Jesus was who he said he was and could do what he said he could do. They believed in Jesus, that he was the son of God. Jesus said that when he was on earth, that God had come down in flesh and lived amongst people. They believed that Jesus' death and resurrection it could bring about the forgiveness of their sins. 
that could bring about their salvation. They believed that. Uh, As they understood and heard the message that Peter was speaking, they, they believed. So many people who have looked and heard the call come to a point where they need to believe. You know, the first disciples that Jesus came and said, hey, come follow me. Just a little bit later on in in John's gospel, uh, they were walking there and they were with John the Baptist and Jesus walked by. And John the Baptist looked and pointed at Jesus and he said, there he is, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. We're told that the disciples left and, and followed Jesus after that. You see, when you sense the call of Jesus, when you sense God calling you uh, and you realise that he is the Lamb of God who can take away your sins, then you're believing in him. You're putting your faith in him. You're putting your trust in him. So you believe that he's the Son of God, that he's the one that can forgive your sins. You know, not only do you believe that he can forgive your sins, but believe that he can actually deal with your future, that he can give you eternal life. So the first part is believe that he can deal with your sins because that means all the things that you've done in the past, all the guilt, all the shame, all the times you've turned your back on God and you've done things wrong and you wish you could get forgiveness, but you can't. Well, when you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you find forgiveness and your past is forgiven. But don't just believe in Jesus for that. Believe in him for your future as well. You know, Jesus was coming to a a friend's place who had died, a dear friend, Lazarus. He'd been in the ground for for four days. And the Bible says that he'd been in there so long that he'd begun to smell. And he came. And as he was coming, um, some of his, uh, Mary and Martha, some of his daughters came out and he was talking to them. And in the conversation that followed, um, Jesus w- was talking to Martha. And he said, uh, he said to her, you know, this Lazarus will rise again. And she said something like, oh, you know, I know he's going to rise again someday on the last day. You know, something's going to happen. Like that. And he said, no, no, he's going to rise again. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though they die, they will live. In other words, if you put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ, though you might die physically, you will live forever. Your future is secured in Jesus Christ. And Jesus demonstrated that he has power over death when he stood at that tomb that day and said, Lazarus, come out. And the feet shuffled and the dead man was raised. You know, one day Jesus is going to call out to people whose physical bodies have long passed away. And he'll say, come to life forever, eternal life. You know, believe in Jesus Christ because all the past, your sins are forgiven. Believe in Jesus Christ because he's the resurrection and the life and all your future is taken care of. Eternal life comes to those who believe in him. But thirdly, believe in Jesus Christ because right now he can give you a whole 
new life in the present, right now. Uh, you see, Jesus, those who believe in Jesus have the power of the Holy Spirit with them, within them, enabling them to live every day. Uh, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. When he said that, he was saying that if you feed on me daily, you'll be sustained and nourished. Then in another uh, sort of gathering together, he stood up and he said, if you are thirsty, come to me. This is John 7, 37 to 38. If you are thirsty, come to me. If you believe in me, come and drink. For the scriptures declare that rivers of living water will flow out from within you. And the Bible says that he was talking about the spirit. He was talking about the Holy Spirit that would be given to everyone who believed in him. Believe in Jesus. That by putting your faith in him and your trust in him, his Holy Spirit empowers you to live. Empowers you to overcome sin, overcome temptation, overcome uh, all the things that would tempt you to turn away. It empowers you, the Holy Spirit, he helps you to live. So your past is dealt with, your future is secure, your present power of God's spirit is at work daily. Believe. Peter's words convicted them deeply. They believed. They believed. And the second thing that they did was that they actually not only believed, but they turned around. They made a complete turnaround. Uh, the, the Bible says here, uh, you know, what should we do? Uh, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must turn from your sins and turn to God. You know, the Bible uses the word repent here, to, to turn around. And, and the, the meaning of it is to just change directions, change your mind, turn completely around. Like you're travelling in one direction and you do a complete U-turn in your car and turn right around is what it means to, to repent. And not only do you start Stop sinning and stop doing things that are uh, against God. You, you, don't, you, you not only turn from your sin, you stop you know, hating, you stop cheating, you stop lying, you stop living in ways that are against God. But you turn to God and you start living for him. Instead of hating, you start loving. Instead of cheating, you start being honest instead of hurting you start helping and you live for God a complete turn around a complete turning your whole life around <coughs> something to live for repentance so you believe you repent you turn right around and thirdly you be baptized. Each of you must turn to your sins and turn, turn from your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus. You make a public declaration for what's happened within. You've started believing. You've turned around. You've repented. 
And then you start now to be baptised by making a public declaration. It's taking a stand. It's saying, I'm going to live for Jesus and I'm not ashamed to stand and tell everybody. Uh, it's taking a stand to say, I, I, I don't care whoever's walking past this river back in these days, everyone would see. Whoever see him, you know, they're going down in the water and they say, oh, there's old Billy getting baptised there. Look at that. People could see from everywhere. And in the baptism, they were demonstrating that they've died to themselves. They've died to their old way. They've died to all the things that they were doing before they turned around and turned to God. And going down represents dying to self. And rising again is rising to this new life in Jesus Christ and saying, from now on, I'm living for him wholeheartedly through and through. I'm surrendering. I'm living for him. By the power of God's Holy Spirit, I'm going to face every day. Do you know today, Jesus is still calling people. He's still calling people to put their faith in him. To turn from their sins and to turn to God. And to follow him. Jesus is seeking people who will make him Lord of their life and be willing to make a public stand and be baptised. Maybe Jesus is speaking to you. Well, he's been speaking to Barbara and to David Kavanagh and they're now just going to come and share with you about their decision to be baptised today. Let's welcome them, hey? I grew up in a church environment where the service was conducted in Latin. The sermon was in English. I attended the college where each day we had RE. I knew a lot about Jesus' works and miracles, but I did not know him. In the late 1960s, I changed church to where the Bible was used and study groups met each week. When the Billy Graham crusade was in Sydney, I went forward seeking Jesus. After moving to Wodonga, I attended a church for 30 years. My spiritual life was on hold while I raised a family and ran a business, but that was no excuse for not knowing Jesus. But I knew Jesus was there with me because of the incidents that happened and I was not killed or injured. My big awakening came in 2002 when at an Alpha course I had heart trouble. That night was to be my last, I thought. The pain I experienced was 10 out of 10. The topic on that night was on miracles. I asked Jesus if it was his will to take the pain away, in which he did. A visit to the surgery and hospital confirmed that later that night. I would like to take this opportunity to thank the people in the small groups and you, the church, for your support. In Acts 8, baptism is a sign of identification with Christ and with the Christian community. 
With these words, I commit my life once again to the Lord through baptism. Hello, everyone. It's great to be here. That's, my, that's me. <laughs> I often wonder what you look like from here. Now I know. Smile. <laughs> I was brought up in a Christian home and always wanted to follow Jesus, but didn't really understand until I was in my early 20s and moved to Melbourne that I couldn't use my parents' faith to save me but had to make a personal commitment and invite Jesus into my heart as my own personal saviour, as he had died for me. After going through many highs and lows of life with bringing up four children, helping run a family business, I began to move away from God and try to fix things myself. I had become quite miserable, so I decided to join KYB. Or maybe God was calling me back. But what a bunch of great ladies who really love Jesus and live for him and after hearing Barbara Johnson speak at a CWCI function, God spoke to me through reading her book, Stick a Geranium in Your Hat and Be Happy. <laughs> Some people will know the book. What a turnaround. I had come back to God. He had forgiven me of all my sins and remembers them no more. Praise the Lord. And the peace that passes all understanding will keep my heart and mind in Christ Jesus until I meet with him in glory. I have come to a time now when I want to acknowledge to this church through believers' baptism that Jesus lives within me. Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Thank you. What wonderful testimonies, hey, we've had today. Um, people whose lives have been transformed by Jesus. Um, when, when you do respond to this call, uh, when you do put your trust in him, when you respond to him, you know, and, and when you get baptised, it's not the end, guys. You know, today is not the end um, for you. It's really just the beginning. It's the beginning of a whole new life, uh, a whole life that's dedicated completely to him. You know, God is still calling people to be his disciples and he's still calling people to live for him wholeheartedly. You know, uh, when... When Jesus was taken up, he said just before them, you will be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. And he wants those that live for him to be witnesses for him so that their daily lives, so that the way they face hardship, so that the way they face struggles, so that the way they face uh, temptations and, and difficulties will be ones that are bringing a witness to God and his life at work within them. We don't know what will come around the corner, but we do know that God is looking for people who will not quit when things get tough. You know, there's going to be troubles in all our lives, people that follow Jesus. But God is wanting you and I to not give up when things get hard. He's wanting people who will persevere through tough times. 
deepening in their faith, deepening in their trust. God's not only looking for people who uh, will not give up when things get tough, but he's looking for people who will be willing to put Jesus first above everything else. You know, in Romans 12 and verses 1 and 2, Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. You know, put him first. Offer your whole self to him. Get on the altar and and give yourself to him as a living sacrifice. Say, God, I'm yours. Take everything I have. Jesus is looking for people who will put him first in every single thing that they do. Not only that, God is also looking for people who will not only be willing to live for Jesus, but to be willing to die for him also. It says in Luke, Luke chapter 14 and verses 27, you cannot be my disciple if you do not carry your own cross and follow me. Do you know what it meant to carry your own cross in Palestine? It meant that you were a dead man walking. You know, that to carry your own cross meant that you were going to your death. Because in that time, uh, the Romans would determine that those who were to be crucified would have to carry their own cross to the place where they would be banged into the ground and you'd be nailed to your cross. It was a way of showing the whole city that you were going to die. Carrying your cross meant walking to your death. And Jesus uses this image to talk about how he wants his followers to live. Not just people that come to church each week. Uh, not just people that do nice things. Not just people that would be kind uh, and, and not nasty to other people, but always be good. He's looking for people that will be those kind of people. But even more, those that would be willing just not, not to do bad things but to live fully for Jesus their whole lives. Be willing to die for Jesus if that's what's required. You know, today in Wodonga, there's not many people that are dying for Jesus, is there? Not many people in Albury have have been killed recently for their faith in Jesus Christ. We're fortunate where we live. We can live for Jesus in Wodonga and Albury and the areas around without fear of dying because we're living for him. That's great. It's really great that we don't have to die. But God might be calling you to go to a place where you do uh, have to face the fear of death every day. He might be calling you overseas to be in a place where you might uh, have to be willing to put your life on the line because of your faith in Jesus. Well, if he is, live for him, but be willing to die for him also. It could be that uh, today... You might find yourself not far down the track having to risk your own very life for your faith in him. Well, Jesus is calling for people that had already made up their decision, that he was so primary in their life that their own life came secondary to living their life for Jesus. It's a big call for us to take up our cross, to be those that are willingly going to our death, believing in Jesus. You know, I've been just so um, hurt, you know, distressed this week as I've read through our papers and read stories 
of people who have taken their own lives. One tragic story was about a father who was a cancer doctor in America. He was on holidays with his wife for their 10th anniversary. And they had two sons, an eight-year-old boy and a four-year-old boy. And they were on a 15th floor balcony in their hotel and they had an argument, the husband and the wife. And the, the father picked up his two boys and threw them over the edge. And then he jumped himself. Uh, all three were tragically killed, uh, committing suicide and murder all at once. The, the mother heard one of the boys screamed and just turned around to see the husband jumping. What a tragic waste of life. What a horrible end to life. I read this week too of five 13-year-old girls who bound their hands together and jumped into a river in Vietnam, committing suicide all at once. Five 13-year-old girls. Uh, the reports were that their parents had scolded them and they didn't have any other sort of resources themselves, you know, they said, and so they took their own lives. What a waste of life. This is the complete opposite to what God wants. He wants people to lose their own lives so that they can have life to the full. They want to give up your own right so you can live for him. And that life is a life that's rich in all its fullness. And there are people today who find life so meaningless so uh, difficult, so challenging, but they won't turn to God and respond to him. And this week I was, saw in the most incredible way the evidence of a life lived totally surrendered to Jesus. You know, Kathy uh, Kennedy uh, left uh, for the hospital that morning full of uh, determination, full of peace, uh, full of confidence as she went trusting in God? Did she uh, believe wholeheartedly that she was going to be healed and get through? Well, she was praying like mad that she would. But, you know, in the weeks before, she'd said, whatever happens, God is mighty. You know, in other words, if I die, God is mighty. If I live... God is mighty. Life for me is secondary to living my life for God. And God is looking for people today who will live their whole lives for him, totally surrendered. You know what God, uh, what it says in 2 Chronicles 16 and verse 9? The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Are you fully committed to him this morning? Are you someone who's heard the call of God and, 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 or just hearing it now? Perhaps God is saying to you, this is the time to put your trust in me. You can trust me with your whole life. Maybe he's saying that to you. Or respond. Give him everything you are, everything you have. Could be that you've sensed him calling and you've said, yes, God. Well, respond by believing in him. 
believing in Jesus, the past, the future, the present. But turn around. Stop living your own way and start living for God. Turn from sin and turn to God. Then make a public stand. Be baptised. If you've already done those things, the challenge today is to really live. Really live. Don't waste a moment of your precious life. Be a witness for God. Uh, Be willing to live so much that even if you die, you'll be living for him. Well, we're going to go now and witness some baptisms. People that have made their testimonies and their public statements today. As we do, let's pray. Oh God, we thank you that you're calling people to live for you today. God, as we witness these baptisms, would you speak to us today? Would you challenge us? God, would you give us the courage to live for you wholeheartedly with all that we have? In Jesus' name. Amen.